coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Touch podcasts get dizzy. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going good. Um, can I tell you one unexpected side effect from like working at home? Is yes. I, I think my vision is getting like rapidly worse because mm. when I was like in the office or anywhere else i you know like you are constantly shifting your focus because you're like looking at different people you're looking at different things you're walking to the kitchen now i'm like (laughs) 80 90 percent of my time i'm just staring Mm -hmm. at my screen and that's just like not that far away from my face and i i think it's having an effect a negative terrible effect so this is something that Sarah said to me yesterday. I think we went to uh, the the Golden Road Brewery has a like uh, drive up pickup kind of uh, situation. Um, so that is how we get replenished with beer. Um, and uh, so we we were going to pick up some beer yesterday, and uh, you know I was going out for the, like to to drive for the first time in like three weeks, and was like, hey Sarah, do you want to go for a car? <laughs> you know, do you want to leave the house for fifteen minutes? Um, and so we're in the car and we both got like masks on and everything. Uh, and she just goes, I don't think I've looked, I don't think I have used my eyes to focus so far away as I am right now. Like in the last month, (laughs) (laughs) you're only ever looking at surfaces that are like at most 20 feet away. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is going to be great for optometrists. If if optometrists can ever open again, Mark, will you ever <laughs> will you ever allow someone to l- peer into your eyeballs again? <laughs> um, speaking of peering into one's eyeballs, my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it someday? Maybe you can. Uh, the program is on hiatus for the time being. Uh, someday uh, we will feel safe enough to go to optometrists and the post office again, but it is not this day. If you would like to get on the list to borrow uh, Sonic Forces, you can. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. and let us know your mailing address and then I send to you. You play it for as long as you want. Again, this is conditional <laughs> to the time when I'm comfortable doing this. Uh, Mark, something else I wanted to address. Very quickly. Um, I didn't realize that this was happening, and I didn't realize it was happening today. The uh, special hardcover edition of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue 100 came out today, and it includes my expanded and collected interviews with uh, 40 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, artists and writers and editors and letterers and color- colorists. Um, and uh, it's it's out today. It's sixty pages of interview with uh, with creators. Um, I didn't think it was coming out because comics stopped coming out, but it's part of the book market technically, so it's out. Um, so if you are interested in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or you're interested in what I do, 
Uh, you can grab it uh, at, from any uh, online bookstore or, you know, all bookstores are online now because they have to be. Um, or it's on Comixology, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was very, like, I got my comp copies a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was, like, right before uh, Diamond closed down the, the comics distributor. Um, and I was like, well, cool. I don't know if this is ever going to get in anyone's hands but mine. Um, and uh now it has so <laughs> yeah that's so cool um also uh we're of course celebrating retro month in april and we've been playing snes classics today we're going to be talking about yoshi's island but next week wrapping up uh retro month is going to be Star Fox on april 24th the one that uh you know i i think we're uh, you have promised to finish it, and I have promised to give it a good college try. <laughs> I will finish Star Fox. That is my promise to you, the listener, and you, Mark. Um, we would love to have uh, y- y'all play along with us. Um, Star Fox is such a like interesting, singular experience that even if you only put a couple minutes into it, you will have some sort of something to say about it. <laughs> um, so please write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com. Uh, and participate in the conversation because we would love to uh, love to incorporate that. Also, do you know what? Like, are there cheat codes for Star Fox? Let me know because I want them cheat codes. If there are cheat codes, no one tell Mark. Just <laughs> at me, okay? You cannot tell me, but you, can, you can't shut down my internet. I will find <laughs> these. I bet I could shut down your internet. <laughs> what a mean thing. Why would I do that? Um, all right, Mark, obviously we have a huge game to discuss today, so let's do it. Let's get into Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. But before we get into what we thought about it, it's always good to lay out the ground rules. And thank you, Martin, so much for this email that I have now read on uh, two previous episodes. I'm going to read a little bit today, and I'm going to read next week, because it's a good thing to keep in mind. Martin says, one thing I would love for you to discuss is how well these games would suit someone who has no nostalgia for them and has become used to games with 21st century quality of life improvements. I know that will be tough, as your playthroughs will be bundled with tons of emotions, but I trust you you two to try to step back and give an objective opinion. Um, Mark, I think we should start there because i think you and i come come to this game from a different place than we did the two previous games a link to the past and super metroid yeah um surprisingly i have never really played this game before it totally passed me by as a kid i didn't even know that a game with the word super mario world 2 in the title (laughs) albeit very tiny but in there, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that existed. That would have like totally blown my mind. So it wasn't until Yoshi's Story on Nintendo 64 that I was even like really aware that Yoshi games like this existed. Um, can I make a little bit of a, uh, a confession around Super Nintendo and Mario games? Please, yeah. So (laughs) I did wait very patiently for you to give me (laughs) permission to make this confession. Um, I did not really, like, really get into and really play either 
Super Mario World or Super Mario World 2 until well after the Super Nintendo was like a, a retro console. Both games, and I don't know why, I was obviously a big fan of the um, the Super Nintendo, um, but I think by that point, my brain wasn't like wired for Mario. I feel like after Super Mario Brothers 3, I was like kind of off of it until Mario 64. Um, so both of the both uh, Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island passed me by it while they happened. And Super Mario uh, World, I was a lot quicker to like come back to. Like I think I started to get obsessed with it in college, right? So that would have been, um, you know, like 2002, 2003, um, which you know I still didn't really have like room in my heart yet for Yoshi's Island, and it's not until. Um, really i think the first time i like played it like more than just like you know played a piece of a level um i was playing the game boy advance version which i understand is sacrilege um but yeah i mean it really wasn't until the uh super nes classic edition came out that i gave this anything even like resembling uh, a a real try yeah and i think well actually how much further do we want to go with this? Or was there anything else up top we wanted to cover before we start diving into our impressions? Well, so wh- I, I guess uh, let's, let's maybe uh, lay out there just a, a little bit. Um, like, le- I, I, there are two things I, I, I want to explore just a little bit first. And one is maybe a little bit drier, so I don't want to spend too much time. But just, like, just considering the time, uh, like the year that this game came out, is it's 1995. Um, it is the the end of the Super NES's uh, lifespan, and I understand like Super Metroid was the year previous, right? It was 1994, but for whatever reason, the dis- the distance between 1994 and 1995 seems huge, right? The Nintendo 64 is on the horizon. Um, the Virtual Boy obviously lighten <laughs> lighten up the uh, the game charts, um, but it just it it feels like such a different. It feels like a more um like mature era for and not like mature in like content but just like uh, a self-assured um nintendo that's not um like it's it's weird that this has a two on it but isn't really a sequel to super mario world totally uh like this would fit so well in the um our retromon series from last march where we talked about weird sequels because this is you know like a sequel to super mario world in name only and it's like barely in name only um you know you mentioned super metroid coming out in 1994 but to me i feel like the game from 1994 that uh has a lot of like bearing on the discussion is donkey kong country right uh so uh 94 was the the original donkey kong country that means 95 was donkey kong country 2 I think so. So this and Donkey Kong Country 2 came out in the same year. And I I feel like there's a lot of like parallels even in the game itself, like in the gameplay between uh Yoshi's Island and Donkey Kong Country 2. Um but yeah, it's just like it's a weird it it feels like a reaction to Donkey Kong Country in some ways to me. Mm, interesting. Um yeah, it's just, it's a, it's, I have a lot of complicated feelings about Yoshi's Island. 
And we will get through all of those thoughts. I am confident. Um, but I guess the the other thing that I wanted to ask as as it relates to uh, Yoshi's Island is what is your general impression of the Yoshi games? Because while this is a uh, sort of sideways sequel to Super Mario World, what it really does is kick off the Yoshi franchise, right? Um, and uh, what so what what are your feelings on that franchise in general? Yeah, it's not really my thing. Um, so I I like platformers that ask a lot of like exploration of you are just what for whatever reason I think it's because my brain was like trained on Super Mario Brothers that mm-hmm. um a platformer where it's telling me not to go fast, it's telling me to like slow down and explore and like try to is like uh anthem to me like i can't i just like i it's hard for me to like click with that sort of Mm -hmm. thing also i feel like um you know like yoshi's island is the beginning of this and the further the games have gone on a little bit they've uh tilted a little too saccharine for me yeah Mm -hmm. um so yeah, yeah i not the biggest fan um yeah and like it it is interesting to see like the the real beginning of that um like a different take on the art style right where um like a, a cuteness or almost like a a DIY quality is you know even though um it's not really like as gimmicky or you know like there there's less of there's less of a um, like singular identity behind it here than there is in like Crafted World or uh, Yoshi. Um, ep- no, Woolly World. Um, I was gonna I was trying to say Epic Yarn, and I knew that wasn't right. I knew that was a Kirby game. <laughs> um, but the these games feel, uh, you know, they they have that very like it's like gentle. Yeah, yeah it's like, like it's like Crayola in. like picture book mm-hmm. aesthetic. Yeah. That gives it that like yeah. handmade feel that does totally feel like what it eventually evolved into feels correct. Like that feels like the direction that you would expect something like that to go. It feels very organic. Yeah. Um, so for, for my part, um, I have really enjoyed the last two Yoshi games, um, Crafted World and Wooly World. Um, but largely I have enjoyed them as multiplayer, as, as co-op experiences. Um, I played Wooly World um, with Sarah basically the whole time, and I played Crafted World with my buddy Taylor. Um, and as games that you just like chill out and experience together, um, I find that to be like very rewarding and not in like a traditional platformer kind of way, uh, but just in a, um, we are, you know, two people experiencing something cute together. Um, and I feel like, uh, well, Yoshi's Island certainly starts uh, in that direction. It doesn't do co-op, and it doesn't. Um, uh, it is not as leisurely as um, those two games. Uh, and this is probably the least leisurely of the Yoshi games, as, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's like it feel. It's a. It is kind of a. Um, uh, I I don't really know how to say it, but basically, it's like a, an uncomfortable mix of traditional Mario platforming and something else. And it makes sense that because it's the first, their first attempt at that, mm-hmm. that like, that's where it like, it, but uh, why it would be that way. But it feels a little bit like an uncomfortable marriage between the two. 
I will I will agree with that, and I think that is sort of like the thesis statement of my read on this is that um, it is a combination of two things that I like an awful lot, um, and I don't know if for me uh, it comes down on the right side of either of those equations. Um, but I do frequently find the game to be a ton of fun. Um, but so let's let's dial back just a little bit here because we got a, an email from Connor with a, a couple um, points that that he wanted to to raise, um, and so I'm going to bring up the first here because I think it is a good place for us to start. He says, "In Super Mario World, do we consider each Yoshi that Mario finds the same original Yoshi from this game, or is the Yoshi or group of Yoshis in Super Mario World totally a totally different Yoshi?" Either either a descendant of the one that helped save baby Mario or a completely unrelated Yoshi. Have we not considered the social politics of the Mushroom Kingdom when ditching a Yoshi just to make a super long jump uh, in Super Mario World? Um, all jokes aside, is it the same Yoshi in every Mario game? Does Mario interact with a tribe of Yoshis until he meets the Yoshi in Super Mario 64? I, I don't think I've ever considered this until this moment, but now I need to know any thoughts. This brings up an excellent point and one that a uh, friend of the show, June, and I were texting about last night, which is canonically, are the baby Mario characters, are they like, is is this happening way in the past, basically? Is like Mario a baby when these games yeah. are happening? Or is like baby Mario canonically a different character, separate timelines? like not at all related it's they it is just a thing it is maybe a totally different being that is just named baby mario so can i offer my theory on this i would love you to yeah so i, I like how you're asking think... permission a lot tonight <laughs> <laughs> and i will continue to do you're so tempting if that's all right fate. with you <laughs> Well, this is this is one that, like my uh, Super Mario World confession from moments ago, uh, I feel is a, a little bit of a dangerous thing to say, right? This is kind of my dangerous idea. But here it is. I don't think the events of Yoshi's Island actually happened in the Mario canon. I think Yoshi's Island is a picture book story that either the Yoshis tell each other to explain their relationship to Mario or that Mario tells to other people to explain his relationship with Yoshi. Um, that it that's why it is presented in this aesthetic um it is uh a fable it is a set of um like and then it grew to enormous size and then we shrunk down and we're inside the frog you know um all of these uh things like it is it is very clearly uh presented as a storybook and i think that is why and i like uh i had not thought about it that way but i think that makes a ton of sense i mean it's something that they've dabbled with before, like Super Mario Brothers 3 being a stage presentation. You know, yeah. so like, uh, yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, partly because it also explains why we never have to worry about seeing like a uh, baby Wario or a baby Luigi. Or sorry, Waluigi, which we mm -hmm. know we will never see. It would be a cursed image. Nintendo would never officially show a baby mm -hmm. Wario. Isn't there a baby Wario in one of these games? I don't. I refuse to believe it. I refuse to look it up, and I refuse uh, <laughs> to believe that it's true. <laughs> uh, well, Mark, I want you to know that I am looking it up uh, right now, but I will not tell you my findings. <laughs> That's all I ask. Uh, but I do ask that you uh, observe my face as I finish my search and uh -huh. click. <laughs> But what I'll never know is if that response was to a canonical image or a deviant art image. 
no, it was a real image. He really exists. It's Yoshi's Island DS. Um, but so yeah, I think uh, it, it it also like uh, just generally speaking, how do you how do we think about uh, the Yoshis as a people versus like a single canonical Yoshi? This is a Toad situation, right? I think so. Where there is canonically a there is like a Yoshi that mm-hmm. you interact with all the time, and he is your pal, your Yoshi, and yeah, you like jump off him, and he falls into the void, but he's fine with it. It's what he's there for. Right. Um, Plus, it's not like Mario's not fallen into the void every 20 minutes anyway. <laughs> it happens to these characters. Exactly. Yeah. It's just part of life for them. It's one of the reasons that we would never be able to, you know, like have a long conversation. We just don't have a lot in common. Um, That's right. I. So, yes. So there is the singular Yoshi, and then there is the collective group of Yoshi. And I think you, like Mario, you as Mario, have renowned with all Yoshi. You're a friend to all Yoshi. But you yes. are best friends with one Yoshi. Right. And no one will really ever know why that is. But Yoshi's Island is the story that they tell each other as, to explain. Uh, well, no, Yoshi has been helping Mario since he was a baby. Right? Yep. And is it all lies? Possibly. Possibly. Are they comforting lies? You bet they are. <laughs> Um, okay, but so let, let's talk now about our specific uh, play experience um, this time through. Uh, so, uh, Mark, where did you play this game? How did you play this game? I, of course, played it on my Switch, on the Nintendo Switch Online. And I, of course, played it on my uh, Super NES Classic Edition. Um, I have been moving it between the bedroom and the living room uh, because it's very easy to move. Uh, okay. Um, I don't. I guess I, I, this, for whatever reason, this game feels harder to talk about for me. I feel like I don't have a singular experience of it. So in the way that I do the others. Yeah. Um. I I think that's fair. I think one of the things I struggled with is that I just fundamentally find the central mechanic of this game to be not fun. Um. Like carrying, like having it be kind of like a eternal escort mission, and always having to carry Mario on your back or Baby Mario on your back, and then having like any time you get hit, the punishment is like him whine, like crying, and then you have to track him down. I find I just did I did not enjoy that. So in like the aspects of the game that I did enjoy, which there is quite a bit, it was all the stuff like around the central mechanic. And I think that's what makes, like, it for me anyway, it's a little bit difficult to talk about because there's, like, things that I've liked and, but, uh, this, like, the core of the game I did not enjoy very much. Um, that, that's interesting. The, uh, like, I almost don't know that that is what I consider the core of the game, like, the, the escorting, um, Mario. It really just feels like your health bar to me or, like, it's, it's just a thing that, um, like that's the punishment for taking a hit, um, and I do think that this, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit. That this game is uh, occasionally too, um, like punishing with uh, like enemies on the screen, where like you are going to get hit, and then that sends you into a panic as you try to get Mario back before you've lost too much time. Um, that I would almost rather just lose some of those, like you know, star, you know, whatever it is, little health points, um, and then like continue on the way. Um, like it, it almost negates the, um, the benefit that you get in like a, uh, regular Mario game 
of having those couple frames of in, uh, invincibility after getting hit. Um, like after you get hit, now you need to recover instead of um, being invulnerable for a second. I also think that you and I are not the type of like people in video games who want to collect everything and like wanting to explore a level to its fullest. And because there, you know, there's no time limit in these levels. They are really, mm-hmm. they're like all of them are kind of uh, like mazes and labyrinth like. Like they are made to explore so you can get all of the flowers, all of the like red coins, all of the coins. And if you don't want to do that or you don't try to do it, then like it's, uh, you know, like because I don't generally like that sort of collectathon mechanic in games. So I was not really doing that in these levels. And so I do think that I was like missing out on a lot of what the game had to offer. It's just hard because like I wasn't really interested in that part of it. Yeah, which it, like is really hard because there obviously are games that I do like to get everything in. Um, you know, I uh, I guess most m- the most recent game that I like one hundred percented was um, the Metroid Samus what, Return of Samus. Shoot, whichever one, I know, whichever one I the can never was. remember. I forgot now. Samus Returns, I think, is is the the 3ds one. Um, but that that it it always comes from a game that I am already having a good time playing. Um, and so when I finish a level, I go, oh, great, let's hop back in, and let's do that level again. Um, to get everything, and it, without exception, every single one of these worlds, by the time I fin every level, by the time I finished it, I was like, great next level i never wanted to go back in especially if i was missing one flower like Mm -hmm. i never want to go back in for one flower or like two red coins like forget that i thought i was being thorough in the first place (laughs) um but yeah it's there there is something to me that feels a little bit like lopsided about the um risk reward of um exploring further because the further you explore the more time you expose yourself to the danger of getting hit um and therefore not finishing with full health um and uh but then if you're like well i'm not going to risk it then you end up missing out on you know red coins or a flower or something yeah totally can i okay so can i tell you uh the more i played this game the way that i like i guess kind of like was wrapping my head around it is so years ago there was uh, I think like some interview with Miyamoto where he was talking about, um, you know, like not liking Donkey Kong Country or that's how it is interpreted or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's the story for a really long time that Miyamoto didn't like Donkey Kong Country and that uh, Yoshi's Island was kind of his like response to it. Like Donkey Kong Country has those pre-rendered 3D like globs of goo. And he yeah. was like, no, we're doing this like really like children's book aesthetic. This is my response to it. And, uh, you know, like in more recent years, it's come out that he or at least he has said that it wasn't true and that, you know, he obviously worked very closely with the with um, Rare when they were making Donkey Kong Country. Um, but and then so it's like, OK, was the kernel this this is that's true is that like after the success of Donkey Kong Country. Nintendo, because, you know, Nintendo at this time was all about, like, play aloud, and they were trying to be radical and cool to compete yeah. with the Genesis. And so it's like, okay, is the kernel of truth here that, um, you know, th- after the success of Donkey Kong Country and those, like, pre-rendered uh, sprites, 
that they were like looking at this children's book aesthetic and we're like, whoa, this is way too like kiddie for what we want to do. But I feel like uh, it, whether any of that is true or not, to that is how I was kind of approaching this game. And the more I thought about it, the more it felt to me like a response to Donkey Kong Country and with some of like the DNA of Donkey Kong Country 2, like the, the like different Yoshi abilities that you can do, like the mole tank, you turn into like a train, mm-hmm. a car, a plane for like short amount of time, you do a certain task, and then you go back to being like regular Yoshi. To me, that felt so much like the Animal Friends from sure. Donkey Kong Country. And then even like, I feel the parallel from Donkey Kong Country, the first one, was all very like, the levels were like horizontally oriented for the most part. Then Donkey Kong Country 2, you get these like really vertical levels where it's so much more about going like up and down the screen. And I yeah. felt I felt that change in like between Super Mario World and and uh, Yoshi's Island where it's like, okay, yeah, now we're all, like Yoshi's Island. We're all about going like up, going down. And yeah, you are going mm. like, you know, like going the breadth of the level, but like the verticality of it just like expanded so much um, it's almost like a sonic the hedgehog level really um in the way that they're like built on top of each other yeah so like the more that i started seeing it as like whether it's true or not like a response of sorts to donkey kong country then it like i was able to almost like embrace it a little bit more i was more interested in continuing to see like how the these themes would like play out um, it's interesting that like uh, Donkey Kong Country can be like a, a useful metric to measure um, this game against um, because they are both uh, like obsessive about um, collecting things. Um, but one of the things that uh, this game does is it standardizes those collections. Um, this is another observation from uh, Connor. If you'll give me a second, I got um, a little bit here. He says, when playing as Mario in most 2D games, including Super Mario World, it is not only fun, but often efficient to hold down the run button and zip through the levels. To me, this feels like something close to 2D games equivalent to the thrill of a- of the acrobatics the player is capable of in 3D Mario games. However, which I totally agree with, making Mario run around is uh, one of the pure, simple joys in all of video games. Um, however, this game slams the brakes and slows down the player by limiting their previous snappy traver- uh, traversal abilities, but it totally works. Yoshi is slower, more methodical. Lo- Yoshi's slower, more methodical handling lends itself to the more patient style of play. Considering this game's focus is more on ex- exploration and discovery than those that came before, this adjustment play- pays off incredibly well. It feels to me like a great example of when thoughtful game uh, gameplay design is paired with creative and fun platform um so yeah just the the idea that um like uh, we're we're taking the sort of base idea of like move fast move around on uh, the environment quickly and like taking that fun away um and like replacing it with with a different kind of fun um feels in line with donkey kong country right like uh, the original donkey kong country i remember there being moments of like stringing together cartwheels and uh, and all of that but by the second game it becomes much more slow and much more like methodically making sure you've got all the dk coins all the you know whatever um and then uh the the other thing that i wanted to mention of how this is an interesting like parallel track to uh 
uh, Donkey Kong Country is that they embrace the future differently, right? Um, Donkey Kong Country embraces the future by taking these pre-rendered graphics, which were uh, alarming to see printed, right? In like Nintendo Power and like, you know, in commercials and stuff. Um, and then uh, scan them into these <laughs> hilarious 16-bit uh, sprites um, and present them as though they are a futuristic presentation of graphics. Meanwhile, Yoshi's Island genuinely does something. Um, it's not just the uh, the art style that is like ambitious and unique um, and uh, like pioneering. It is the way that the machine itself actually uses those sprites. Um, so it's it's using both the Super FX chip, um, which we'll be talking about in uh, Star Fox next week, um, and Mode Seven graphics to like fake a lot of perspective that the game doesn't really have. Does it also use the FX2 chip? I think it may, yeah. Because I, for whatever reason, and I, this is based on vague recollections and like the Retro Knots episode on Yoshi's Island <laughs> that I heard listened to years ago, but I feel like part of the reason why it wasn't available for a really long time and on any platform and why like the super uh the game boy advance version is thought of as inferior is because it didn't have like the fx2 chip stuff yes or like emulation um yeah that that was it yeah and i mean that you know that's the sort of thing that you um that allows the like touch fuzzy get dizzy Right, which is you know when you're in a level and it's got all these platforms and these uh, fuzzy white cloud things that when you touch them, uh, Yoshi gets messed up in the, in the head and like the whole world starts like kind of undulating on itself. Um, and this is the the game turning all of the platforms, like every individual platform and every graphic, into a polygon that it then like warps around the screen. Um, so like it's doing something really sophisticated here. Um, it's sophisticated for a 16-bit console from you know 1995, um, but it, you know it, it is it's it's really it, it's interesting that it is able to do that at all. But you see the same kind of technology applied to all of the giant um, enemy sprites. Um, that there's there's so much shrinking and growing in this game, and it's taking a uh, a sprite that is a certain size and then like literally zooming in and zooming out on it. Um, which creates a sort of like otherworldly feeling, uh, but you'll also see it in like the ghosts and the more like elastic enemies in this game. Um, there's one of the bosses that like is a blob of goop with a heart in it, and you throw um, eggs at it, uh, and you're not dealing any damage until you hit the heart, but you are like carving out what feels like a very real geometry in this thing, right? Um, and it's very like gooey and soft, and for a game that is so or for like a system and a time and all that, that, that feels very like this block is this and this block is this, and we're only dealing in 16 bits. Um, this feels very soft and very uh, like nuanced and like curvy in a way that uh, other games uh, couldn't be at the time. Totally. And to your point, like the whole like kind of idea of Donkey Kong Country's graphics is to be like, no, look, we can do 3D. We are the future too. You know, you can own a Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo, and you can have it all. Um, and <laughs> right, and so it was very in your face. Yeah. Uh, Yoshi's Island is like, you know, 
possibly even more technically advanced, but it hides it. It makes it invisible from the player. And so it it has this very like simple veneer, but what they're doing underneath is like incredibly complex. Yeah, and I think that that's even typified in the um what I consider one of the base mechanics of the game, which is uh the egg throwing, right? Um I, I can't really think of a video game uh, like a Super Nintendo game prior to this moment where you could throw things at any angle, right? Like um the, we are pre-analog stick at this point. Um and you know, like sure Samus can shoot straight up and at a 45 degree angle uh, and to either side and straight down. But like, can she throw, can she shoot at a 12 degree angle? No, you know, like, but Yoshi, Yoshi can. And the game asks you, demands you to um, like understand the finer points of that geometry and really draw um, straight lines that aren't like along neat axes. Um, to the point where even at, at the very end of the game, as you're fighting the giant baby Bowser, um, that you are throwing eggs b- back into the background, um, that the, the game like fakes another axis, you know, in, in addition to it, it has let you do all, everything on, um, on, on the single plane and is now like, no, now we're also taking it into the third dimension. Uh, and it feels and uh, it feels real and looks great. Can we talk a little bit about the bosses? Because I don't know about you, but like I found them to be one of the most delightful and surprising parts of the game and how like yes. inventive and varied they were. Because yeah, like it's all based around, um, you know, like throwing eggs for the most part, but like mm-hmm. even just visually the way that they like put you in different situations. Like I, for whatever reason, I really like the potted plant in world two and then i mm-hmm. really like the like it's it was like the halfway boss in world three or four where you um are in like the frog's stomach like you the like frog's it- stomach oh man that is an all-timer um because it is it is the one of them that because the rest of them like it makes the the character big um and you had to just like fight a bigger version and kind of at that point they're all like just hurl eggs at it until it goes away um but the frog, even though the mechanic ends up being just her legs at it until it goes away, um, that you get sucked into his stomach. And the uh, again, it is using the FX2 chip to take, uh, you know, the background graphic that is the frog's stomach and it wraps it around in like a kind of um, tube or like spherical shape that is like like you genuinely feel like you are inside something and it is like pulsating um, and you just keep like whaling eggs at that uvula because always <laughs> you can kill anything by whaling on the uvula well and i just like i like the reversal that you mentioned because you know previous up to this point uh, anytime you encountered a boss the boss got bigger and you enca- and this time kamek you're like kamek shows up you're like okay here we go again but then this time kamek shrinks you down and it's just like a yep. fun reversal at that point in the game and uh, again speaking to the the point of uh uh, the shrinking and growing of um, sprites in this game, you see the shrinking of the the sprite that you've been playing as forever to this like tiny little size. And it's something that feels so like mundane and whatever now because we're used to playing characters that are based in polygons. But the fact that they take this sprite and shrink it down is is truly remarkable. Uh, well, another thing I really liked about this game and I would love to see more of in the future because I feel like we've lost this is the biodiversity of the Shy Guys. 
There are <laughs> so many like shy guy variants in this that I feel like we've never seen again. Like the like fat shy guy that you see a couple oh, of times. Love a fat shy guy. <laughs> um, the love like fat shy guy. The like tribal warrior shy guys. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, like uh, they even bring back, which I feel like outside of Super Mario Brothers two, I don't know where else you've seen these, but like the shy guys that are wearing like the uh, kind of like the plague mask type thing, and they shoot bubbles. Or like, uh, you know, like projectiles out of their mouths. Like, uh, they're called all of sniffits. <laughs> sniffits. I want more sniffits. <laughs> um, Mark, let me ask you this. It was a, a thought that occurred to me. Um, outside of uh, Super Mario Brothers Two, is this the the next time that we see shy guys in a Mario game? Yeah, that's what. That's what I. I think it might be. So I think in some ways this is a little bit like they're they're playing with the um like the DNA of Super Mario Brothers 2 USA, right? Like there's a little bit of Doki Doki Panic in here um in like the the type of enemies um and even in the sort of like dreamy storybook aesthetic um and just kind of like slowing things down and like setting its own priorities. Like it's it's so I mean, I, I know not every Mario game is the same and, you know, we, anytime we try to like draw a line that is like the Mario series, we're like, well, okay, it forks in 30 different ways here. Um, but it really is neat to see like that sort of, um, that, that chunk of the legacy being brought over and represented in this game. Absolutely. And then, uh, another thing I really liked is I feel like they took advantage of the, like, children's book Crayola hand-drawn aesthetic to give even like uh you know sprites that we're familiar with kind of like a new sheen like the mm-hmm. boos are like much more expressive um Goombas as are the Koopas yep. the Koopas yeah exactly yeah. like um they they also just have yeah they're much more expressive they also just have like more detail uh, but I also like how uh the Goombas it kind of reminded me of new Super Mario Brothers how like when it hits that point in the new Super Mario Brothers like um, uh, theme music, that all the oh, yeah. uh, Koopas like dance, dance a little bit, like the Goombas. Uh, uh. It seemed like when the Goombas like were about, I don't know what triggers it. It seems like it, when they were about to like jump off the ledge or something, they would do like that like eyebrow thing where they're like raising <laughs> them, like "Oh, I'm coming for you." Amazing. Uh, yeah, like just like l- little stuff like that. Um, that like attention to detail, I thought was like so much fun to see these like sprites that I was so familiar with from Super Mario World and how they were elaborated on in uh, Yoshi's Island. It's also interesting uh, that like they don't quite behave the same way. Like the, the, the Koopas um, you can uh, you know, the, the game is so built on like swallowing something and turning it into an egg, but the Koopas, if you uh, just swallow them whole, then you've just got a shell in your mouth. Right. Um, but you can jump on them, separate the shell from the turtle, swallow the turtle, make an egg, and then, uh, you know, use the shell. And if you, uh, when you encounter Goombas, if you jump on them and stomp them, they flatten, but they keep walking around. Like, it, everything about it is, like, what you expect the characters to be, but a little bit different. Um, yeah, and I like, love that. Yeah, totally. Like, um... The Lockatoos were another example. Like the first time you encounter a Lockatoo, like the whole level is built around it. And it's because, you know, they had um, the level is built with these 
platforms are these like sand or rock that can be destroyed mm-hmm. with the projectile. So now when the Lakitu is throwing, you know, one of like the spikies, uh, it's like destroying the land. And so you have to be very like strategic about where you're jumping. And so it was fun to see like, oh yeah, we're going to like take this thing you're familiar with and we're going to use it in a new way. And it presents like a new threat to you. Um, One of the things that I love to death every time you encounter it in this game is the uh super mario star um i think this is one of the uh, ways that the game does like a genius job of balancing itself they usually come around in the levels that are a little bit more like recursive and like a little more like loop-de-loop you're in a cave and you're like have i been through here already what's going on um and then there's one room that has all these like curvy walls and then you pick up a star and the little baby Mario uh, hops off your back and he's wearing a diaper and a cape and this hat that's just like flapping in the breeze. Um, and it becomes this like anti-gravity Sonic the Hedgehog level um, for just like a minute, maybe. Um, it is just like a, a quick little burst of like energetic obstacle course, which is mostly running like y- you, you have to make very few decisions. And the game doesn't like to punish you for going fast in these um, scenarios. Uh, And I like in that way, I almost wish there was something that either just like collected those moments or that there was like a baby Super Mario game where you're just running around at high speed. Like, I don't know, I think it'd be great. It's interesting. I did not really like those segments very much. Um, oh, I love them. In fact, all, all, like all the transformation segments where you like turn into like a submarine or something like that, I kind of dreaded um, mm-hmm. when they came I up. I agree with the rest of this take, yeah. Um, but I, what I, uh, initially when you started talking about it the about the stars what um that made me think of was one thing that i think is interesting are the connections between super mario world and super mario world 2 and a lot of it is just is in the music like there are times where they reuse some of the themes from super mario mm-hmm. world and um i i liked that a lot i liked having those like little connections because like the games feel very different but you know they made choices like that where it's like oh right yeah this is a sequel to this game that i've played like that aspect of it feels very familiar uh i will confess that i frequently play this game without the audio on um for because like while while the music is uh some of the music is nice um some of the music is like repetitive and like a little childish um but like the uh crying baby mario is a lot um and the game is like too in love with the like squeaks and like weird little like rustling noises um the snow world is the worst culprit of this because <laughs> yoshi's slippery shoes make this like awful squeaking all the time um and then also as he passes through um trees that are covered in snow there's this like rustle sound that's like too loud in the mix or something um, but like, yeah, I, I feel like they get a little bit too cutesy with um, the sound effects uh, in this game to to its detriment. I, I had, you know, like finished one of the levels. And so I was on that screen where it tallies how many flowers and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, so how many total points you got for the level. And um, I had set the controller down 
and was like looking at something on my phone, like responding to a text or something. And my yeah. husband was like, you've been listening to that music for a long time. And it's been <laughs> like, it was like 30 seconds, but you feel every one of those seconds. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, that, that screen where it shows you how many, uh, how much life you had, how many coins and how many flowers you collected. Sarah refers to that as let's check the results. And in every Yoshi game, whenever that happens, whether she's playing with me or not, I can hear her go, let's check the results. <laughs> uh, did, did you like the, like the, the mini games? So no, not, no. So what, what about, what about, I know the end of level ones, I didn't really care for, but you know how like in the levels you can unlock the houses when you find a key and then, um, what are those, what are those enemies called? Do you know what those things are called? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The, the ones that like just go, that like take the baby Mario from and you. And are like wearing like fencing masks or I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't know what but, they, they're, they're like shy men is what they <laughs> seem like to me. Uh, are they, are, are they in other Mario games? Cause they looked familiar, but I don't know if it's just mm. cause they had that like Mario aesthetic. Cause I could not tell you where else they've been. Yeah, I, I, I don't know them from anywhere else. But I, I think all of their their little mini games, which, again, feels very Donkey Kong Country-like, um, I think they're all a waste of time. Uh, and the game doesn't ever reward you for them. Like, it's only, like they will reward you with an extra life. Um, but, like, great. <laughs> That's how I felt about a, like a lot of the detours in the game. Like, even when you're exploring, you're like, oh, I wonder what's behind this path. And then it's like, oh, I came all this way for two coins. Okay. I mean, yeah, if, if they just put more, um, you know, more flowers in there. Like, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I, I really, really liked about um, Yoshi's Woolly World um, was that in addition to the uh, like flowers, there was another set of, of collectibles of like five things in every level um, that was when you collected them all, you got a, you could change the color of Yoshi to that uh, color palette. Um, so like there was always one more set of like important things that you actually wanted to collect because it like was a fun, you know, like, oh yeah, I want to give my Yoshi cow colors. That's great. Um, so like, yeah, it, it, I, I do feel like they are, uh, not frequently enough rewarding you for some of the, uh, out of the way places that you travel to. One of the, I, I wanted to mention quickly about, uh, one of those mini games, um, and it leads to a bigger point uh, that I don't really know that I can support totally, but hear me out. Um, there is one of the mini games where you are passing back and forth a balloon between you and the shy man, which I'm just going to call him. Um, and uh, when it is, it's like a hot potato situation, so you don't want to be caught with it well uh, when it explodes. Um, and to pass it, you have to do a series of um, button and D-pad inputs. And the game shows you the, uh, the direction on the D-pad, and it shows you the button, and there's a color on the button. But the color on the button doesn't correspond with the color on your Super Nintendo controller, because you live in America, damn it. <laughs> and your, your Super Nintendo buttons are pink and purple, and not the you know, uh, green, blue, red, and yellow. Um, that there are on the Super Famicom controller. So it's in this way that the game doesn't feel totally localized to me. Like there, there are ways, I, like I, there, there are a lot of uh, weird little mistakes in the, um, 
the the translation like in the text uh in this game um and then there's also just this where i'm like i always feel like i shouldn't be playing this game like it wasn't uh it wasn't <laughs> meant for me to play that's really yeah that's that's a really good point and maybe at least for me some of that is like that it was un to my eyes undiscovered for so long yeah maybe um yeah, where your your brain is like no this must be an imported classic that you never uh, saw <laughs> yeah exactly exactly okay so i went looking to see what the shy men are actually called and it reminded <laughs> me that i uh neglected to mention um one of my favorite shy guy variants that show up in here which are the ones that have like flowers on their head whatever those are <laughs> super into those um yep not shy guy related but i really like uh apparently it's called bert which is that like weird clown type thing that walks around being all, uh uh it's it looks like an egg wearing striped pants with like a big nose oh, okay yes yes like it, it's, love- a, it's like a bird maybe Right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no idea. Love it. Super into it. They call him Bert the Bashful on Mario's uh, wiki. And then apparently, the um, shy men are just called Bandit. So boo mm, to that. Shy men is better. Shy men yeah. is better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, all of the uh, what 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 are your uh, your thoughts on both the mini games that you encounter in the levels mm. and the mini games at the end of uh, at the end of the levels? At the, uh, I came to dread the mini games at the end of the levels, um, and I, uh, I I didn't mind some of the ones that uh, you do with the bandits, but by the end I was not doing them. Like by the end I would see like a yeah. locked house, and I'd be like, no, you will not fool me again. Like I don't feel <laughs> nice the need- try. To do this, I don't need the extra life. You know, like, I don't feel Mm -hmm. like this game is particularly challenging. I think it is very forgiving. Having said that, I 100% use the rewind feature every time I, like, lost Baby Mario because I was like, no, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Yeah, I also found myself uh, using uh, frequent save states as there's no rewind feature on the the Super NES Classic. Um, But that... uh, there were just times when it felt like, oh, it, it's a weird spike in difficulty where it's like you have to, you know, eat something as you're in the air and then land on like a single square. Uh, and I'm like, the game doesn't mean to be this hard right now. And otherwise I fall off and die and have to go back to the like the game doesn't mean to be this difficult here. I don't know why it is. So I'm just going to throw down a little save state before I do it. Um, and I think that this game um more than the two that we've been playing previous to this uh really benefits from having the 21st century uh you know either save states or rewind features yeah um, like a million percent i i am really glad to have like thoroughly explored this game um and to like have experienced it and to be able to talk mm-hmm. about it i honestly don't know that i would recommend it Oh, that's interesting. Um, cause I feel like I, it, it is hard. Cause like I recommend it after world two, right? Like I think the game gets into a lot more interesting, like diversity of locations in worlds three, four, and five. Yes. It totally reminded me of Donkey Kong country tropical freeze that way where the first two yes. worlds you're like, oh, okay, we're just doing this like Mario aesthetic. We're just doing this Donkey Kong aesthetic. And then it like opens up. 
I, I I agree. Like the third world in this one is like the monkey island, right? And are those monkeys yeah. super annoying? A hundred percent. Hugely. <laughs> <laughs> but they, but it is a cool, it opens up a lot of like visual differences. It is also not an inconsequential amount of time that it takes to get to world three. Um, these levels take a long time and mm-hmm. there's eight levels in each world plus the two uh, hidden levels, which I don't know about you, Mark, but I didn't see a single nope. one. Nope. <laughs> Where where do you uh do you have like a a minimum threshold of uh point values uh as you finish a level like if you were to finish a level with like forty eight percent you keep going yeah by the end I was like whatever um because <laughs> and oh gen only because like I genuinely like was not enjoying that part of the game um yeah. and so to spend more time on it just felt silly like really I kept pressing on and I like. I look the game is not bad so if you're interested in playing it like 100% play it because I want people to experience all like the different shy guys because uh like (laughs) the enemy the enemy types in this game I like seeing even if I don't like encountering them um and so I would recommend it for that reason if nothing else because I don't know that we're ever going to see these like uh you know like warrior shy guys or flowerhead shy guys like ever again or that we'll even ever see Goombas and Koopas looking like this again, you know? Yeah. Like, the, the, the these are singular designs. I also think that uh, just on, on the subject of the presentation and, like, the sort of design stuff that you just need to see, um, do not be dissuaded if you are playing this game for the first time and you are watching the opening cinematic and you're like, this looks bad and the writing <laughs> is boring. Because you're right. It does look bad and the writing is boring. Why does it use... It's it's using pre-rendered graphics in that opening sequence, um, and the writing is very like reductive and um, storybooky, um, and the game is not at its best when it is throwing out language. Um, it does its best storytelling uh, either like silently or around the language. Um, like when you get to the end of the game, which is the, the it's just a great turn, right? For for the end of the game, um, you're approaching the final castle. And you're doing it as a helicopter flying as fast as you can. And Kamek is flying all around this Magikoopa that's been tormenting you the whole time, making enemies big. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's a cool approach. Uh, he's like dive bombing you and you're like just making your way into the castle. Then you fight your way through and you get to Kamek uh, and you've woken baby Bowser. And he's upset that like, oh, what are uh, Bowser's, uh, baby Bowser's awake. And then baby Bowser flattens Kamek, just jumps on him. <laughs> it's uh, like, it's so cute and it's so funny and is such a, you know, just like the shrinking you to go inside the frog is such a cool subversion of what every other encounter has been. Um, and I really think that all of that is undercut by the crappy cinematic at the beginning of this game. <laughs> For whatever reason, the the visuals, like those pre-rendered visuals, again, I'm kind of like thinking they were like, oh gosh, we got to do this like Donkey Kong 3D type thing. Um, right. It reminds me more of like an unrefined version of what we would get with Yoshi's story, where it's like, okay, we're doing like this 3D polygon mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I don't know how they did it. It almost looks like uh clay like claymation, like stop motion photography. I don't know what it is. It is very off putting. Yeah, I mean, especially when the game does so much with 
um, sprites and uh, mode seven and the FX two chip. Um, I mean, even like the the world map, the way it is uh, rotating around these sprites on like uh, you know a weird little like turntable almost um, that they've built up all these pillars of the island and they're all just single polygons with a sprite on them. Uh, but it looks so cute and so charming. Like um, the when when the game is leaning into its appeal, uh, it it knows what it is and it does it well. Um, okay, Mark, I think that concludes our conversation about Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. Mark, what do you think? You think these are going to be popular opinions? Did we do a popular thing now? Or did we do an unpopular thing? <laughs> I don't think this is Donkey Kong Country to levels of sacrilege. I think we get, I think we, uh, although I stand 100% by all of our Me Donkey too. Kong Country 2 opinions. Um, I, <laughs> I think in general, we are much more positive about Yoshi's Island. Um, also, you know, we probably could have gotten by without, uh, mentioning, uh, our opinions on Donkey Kong Country 2, because we reviewed that game like two years ago. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we have people who have no idea how bad our opinions are on that. <laughs> But uh, we, we, I would love to hear uh, everyone else's experiences with this game, um, with uh, Yoshi's Island. So you can always send us an email at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, gmail. at gmail.com and let us know, uh, you know, where we are in line with your opinions and where we might be getting it wrong. And uh, you know, just just let us know. It's um, uh, always good to get uh, more voices in the mix. And speaking of more voices in the mix, we are talking about Star Fox, so you get better send us your ba 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 to us uh, by next Wednesday so we can all talk about Star Fox together. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, you can rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it wherever you share stuff that helps us out. Uh, a whole bunch. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nin Card Society. And then, of course, we have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, see you later, fat shy guy. And thanks for listening. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.